Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast for the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Doug, Roger, and Aaron to join Anders. We discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, Roger, Zeus pass away. What do you think about this? Uh, more commonly known for those who watched Friday as Debo. Um, sad. Uh, I, I think he actually did pass away from COVID-related symptoms. Um, it's just unfortunate. Obviously, 2020 has taken a lot of people, and he's unfortunately not a name on the list. Um <laughs> You know, great character actor. He had that um, excellent intimidation look. Like, the dude is the quintessential terrifying bully. Um, big guy. You know, uh, the th- articles I read said he was a great guy outside the ring, helped people. So, uh, just tragedy overall. Uh, another gentle giant passed away, and it is it is sad. Uh, I don't know. I mean, his true wrestling marks wasn't too huge, um, but, you know, he he was definitely a presence and had the look, uh, and it is sad uh, to hear of any passing. Yeah, I agree. I, I, funny enough, I, I didn't actually watch Friday, um, you know, but uh, I did see one of my favorite movies of all time was The Dark Knight, and he was actually one of the prisoners in there. Mm-hmm. And very intimidating, like Doug said. Obviously, you know, you rewind time back, you know, about 20 years and, you know, he's a no holds barred with Hulk Hogan. He's the the main bad guy. And then they turned that into, I think it was a SummerSlam match, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he teamed with Randy Orton to take on uh, Hogan. And he teamed with you know, who? Did you just say Randy Orton? You did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I just I had him on my mind, I guess, because um, we're going to talk about him in a little bit. But uh, he teamed with Randy Savage to take on Hogan. Uh, you know, and so that's what he's going to be best known for. Uh, you know, of course, very sad when uh, whenever anybody passes. And, you know, we had another we had a couple other people that passed. We had Pat Patterson passed away, uh, which was really sad. Um, Aaron, what, what did you think about uh, the fact that Pat passed? Yeah, he was somebody that had so much a tremendous amount of respect. He's, of course, known as the grandfather of uh, the Royal Rumble. And Chris Jericho had talked about him as the him and actually Eric Bischoff talked about him as the best finish man in the business. And he's somebody that, you know, there's a little bit of controversy with him, uh, you know, for some of the um, behind the scenes stuff that happened maybe in the 80s. But for the most part, you know, 90s and 2000s, you know, all anybody ever talks about is the respect that Pat Patterson had. And Vince McMahon in particular um, was said to be devastated over this. Um, You know, a lot of people are going to die. And as people get older, you know, you're going to see this more and more. But he was somebody that was kind of Vince's right hand. man. And Doug, what did you think about the, the passing of Pat? Uh, he was a full a full character uh, aspect of the fact that he was a legend of wrestling, and then he went behind the scenes and helped so many careers. And then him and Gerald Briscoe, I will always remember as a great comedy skit later on in the Authority and everything that they did there. Um, he was a twenty four seven champion. I think that was the last title he held. Um, so, I mean, he he was still still kicking it pretty late in his life. Uh, it's it's absolutely sad to see him pass away, but um, just one of those true success stories, and and to see him 
uh, make it to a ripe old age is is absolutely glorious in the wrestling world. And then, Roger, what did you think about the passing, actually, of Brody Lee? Because that also happened. Uh, did you think that AEW and WWE did the right thing to honor him, at least? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a shock. I mean, he was not that old. It was I want to say he was in his early 40s. So it was, it was a true tragedy and kind of the opposite of Pat Patterson, right? You know, Patterson, despite it being sad was able to live a full life, whereas Brody Lee was in the prime of his life. I mean, he was, I want to say, 41 years old. Um, you know, he was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed him, whether he was Luke Harper or Brody Lee. Um, you know, and it's, you know, some people pass away and you see like a message. The amount of outpouring in tributes and support you've seen from other wrestlers and everybody kind of just speaks to how good of a guy he was. And it's sad. Like, it's just, it is, it's been a long time since we've had to... Um, cover or even talk about someone who has died kind of in their prime it, it feels like it's been 10 15 years and i'm glad for that and it's just like this is the, the part of being a wrestling fan that sucks because they do seem to have a much higher mortality rate at a young age than any other thing that i follow yeah i, I echo uh roger's sentiments and you know as somebody who's a father myself one of the things that uh, i remember watching him i was like on wwe 24 or something like that and he talked about you know the love he had for his kids and how he saved things that hopefully his kids would want when they got a little bit older with the hope of course that you know he would be around to like share that information with them to say like oh this is from when i wrestled undertaker this is when i won the tag title that sort of thing and it's just you know, I, uh, that's something I really appreciate. And everyone had talked about how great of a dad that he was. And, you know, he said like, my dad was a really great dad. I want to do that for my children too. And that to me, especially as a father is just was heartbreaking, you know, that he's not going to be around to help raise his children in, in the same way that he would want to. And it's just super sad. And, you know, to Roger's point, the outpouring, you know, Pat Patterson, ton of outpouring, you know, uh, when warrior die, you saw some of that when, uh, you know, Piper or dusty, um, but this was, I think, a different level. This was just, um, it was insane, you know, and to have AEW dedicate a whole show to him. WWE apparently is, uh, you know, recording some stuff uh, for maybe future use, it, it looks like, um, to see the tributes that people are, are paying to him. Um, you know, it's, I, that is really nice and uplifting to see in the wrestling community. But it was, uh, like, that death, I think, to me, I don't know, for me personally, it hit me kind of in a, a way that I haven't had a wrestling death or, you know, a, another death hit in a, a long time. Yeah. And Doug, what did you think about uh, everything that's gone on with, uh, uh, well, the formerly it, known as, uh, well, Brody Lee formerly known as um, I'm Luke Harper. Thank you, Luke Harper. Um, again, with all the outpouring of everybody and the fact that it, this was a, both WWE and AEW are acknowledging it. Um, nobody's, you know, I, it was, I don't want to say it was shocking, but it was appreciative. Uh, the video package that they showed on AEW dynamite, uh, it wasn't just him at AEW. It was him at also, uh, WWE. They had Bray Wyatt. They had pictures of him and Xavier Woods and, and Biggie Langston. And, um, so it wasn't just a AEW thing. It was a, uh, all, all around wrestling, his 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 actual whole wrestling career, uh, I thought that was really uh, really good and touching. Um, the the memorial show that they had for him was absolutely wonderful. Um, I mean, it, it was good, predictable, I guess, is what it was. I mean, you have everybody in the dark order win, but in, in some of the moves though that were, I mean, you, you saw that they put out all they 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 went all out to honor. 
Brody Lee. Uh, some of the things that I saw John Silver do that I've never seen anybody do. Uh, just some of the spots, even that they they put out, they 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 truly gave it their all. Um, uh, Archer coming out in in uh, Luke Harper uh, attire and everything like that. It was a true uh, true honor to uh, Brody Lee, and uh, it's it's sad to see that uh, somebody so loved in the industry uh, be taken well before their time. All right, yeah, it's very. I'm very very sad that uh, Brody Lee. Formerly known as Luke Harper, I think his name is John Huber. I'm very sorry that he mm-hmm. uh, he uh, passed away. Um, yeah, our hearts and prayers go out to him. So, all right, let's move on to something um, a little bit more positive. Uh, the Undisputed Era wins war games, so they are what uh, three for four, two for two, two, two for two. They're fifty percent. They won the yeah, first, and they won the most recent. Okay, fifty percent. All right, so uh, yeah, that that happened. Uh, I, I just wanted to say that I thought that the entire match itself and how they set it up, I was just so happy about it. Um, seeing War Games, of course, is just one of my my favorite events that they put on every year. I think I look forward to that more than the Royal Rumble, which is uh, my close second. So, uh, Aaron, what did you think about the Undisputed Era winning War Games? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think this one was expected, but it was good. Uh, you know, I think that. Um... You know, Pat and the team that he put together, you know, it was kind of like a hodgepodge group, you know, uh, I think. But for the most part, it was the spots that were in there were were well done. Uh, issues they had with the table, they fixed it very quickly. Um, Pat, uh, dear God, I, he, I don't know if I've seen somebody take to wrestling in the same way like that quickly, other than like maybe Kurt Angle or Ronda Rousey. I think those mm-hmm. are probably the only two comparisons. And like, that's kind of a weird... Uh, you know, you have a Olympic gold medalist, MMA fighter and punter, <laughs> you know, like apparently NFL athlete, NFL athlete, uh, you know, hey, put some respect on Quadzilla's name. OK, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I mean, good for him. And honestly, his moonsault. Very good. I, I was very shocked. Like, what? I'm not saying I'm not saying his moonsault was the best, but he there was um, uh, S.A. Rios, in my opinion, has the best moonsault I've ever seen. Not S. Christopher S. Daniels. Good. S.A. Rios, though, like the way that he just like it almost like he was suspended in air. Like he was in Kurt Angles. I, yeah, I think so. In my opinion, in my opinion, wow. I'm allowed to have my opinion. All right. Uh, I tell my wife that uh, S.A. Rios is my favorite. Uh, and Pat did a very good job. Like it reminded me a little bit of essays. And I was like, well, good for him. Good for him. Uh, match was good. Uh, I will say this, though. And Roger, I'm sure you'll probably, you know, maybe agree or, or disagree with this. Um, I feel like you only need one. You only need one war games. And I don't know if you should necessarily always have it set up. Like no matter what November, it's going to be war games. But like, I think like one and it needs to be a blood feud, not like thrown together. Uh, You know, that the men's, I felt like it was on a crash course and I felt like the women's was almost a little thrown together and it should have been saved maybe for later do a women's war games, but maybe later down the line. Um, But anyway, all in all, though, very good match. Um, Are you saying that they need to do some long-term booking into the aspect that War Games should only come up when a true blood feud ending is needed during two factioning groups? Yes. But that would be long-term booking, and yes. they don't do that there. They actively NXT. refuse to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then maybe they need to do – if they're going to do it every November, then they need to set up the the factions, I think, a little bit earlier because, uh, like you said, with the women's, it was very – oh, wait, 
War Games is coming up. We need four women and and four other women to fight. How about you guys go out and do it? Not that their match wasn't good, and not that the match wasn't good. It was a good match. It was uh, uh, one 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 of the better matches of the year. And but I, I, I'm gonna say this because uh, I know I'm gonna be in the minority. I kind of wish Undisputed would have lost. Uh, not only for our pickums, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just for the the aspect of it, I, I don't see the benefit of them winning. Um, I, I don't want to see them leave NXT, but you kind of start wondering how long they have left on there. And with them winning, it almost made me feel more like this was a swan song match kind of for them. And I don't want to see that. So uh, I wanted to see uh, Pat McAfee's team win. Um, it, it would not have mattered if it was uh, by some unnecessary means. I think, um, you know, there's a lot more storyline uh, aspects you could have gone with with Pat McAfee's team winning. So a couple of things. Um, once Ridge Holloway got hurt, there was really no chance, in my opinion, of McAfee's team winning because there's no benefit for his team winning. Like, I love Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne's already kind of a made man based on his UK title run. Um, Birkin and Lorch are fine, but they're a mid-card tag team. But they're not the Revival or the Young Bucks or that kind of team that you would build a division around, right? They're going to be – they're a solid group of guys. And Pat McAfee is a part-time wrestler. Like That team just doesn't need to win. Now, maybe Rich Holloway adds that second kind of big-name star and maybe you're going to give them a push. But I think Undisputed Era winning was fine. Look, I'm fine with them staying in NXT for life because there's zero chance, in my opinion, that they're used properly at the next level, whether you want to call that Raw or SmackDown. I have no faith in their quote-unquote creative. However, the one thing I did like about this match is that this feud seemed like a natural culmination of the storyline. McAfee and Cole have been going at it for months. They've been battling, fighting, taking out the Undisputed Era, and then they had war games. And then contrast it to the women's match, which... It felt more or less like the way I feel about Hell in a Cell. Oh, look, it's October, and now we have to do a Hell in a Cell match. We're just going to throw some random participants in there. Like, the women didn't need a hell, didn't need war games in this one. And it wasn't a bad match. It's just, if nothing's on the line, there's no blood feud. I, I don't need to see two teams of four go at it for no good reason. Either put a stipulation in that says winner gets a title shot or something, or just don't do this match and do it in six months, which I'm fine with a war games match in May and a war games match in November. Like, that, I have no problem with that. So, you know, decent match, but the men's was much better because it had a real story behind it. And the Undisputed Era looking strong, I think, was good. I, I, look, I still think you need to do Undisputed Civil War at some point. So if they're going to win war games and eventually split off in one year's time, we could see a team led by O'Reilly versus a team led by Cole. That would be an amazing war games match. So I think there's a long way to go with Undisputed Era on NXT. I would not call them up to Raw or SmackDown at all. Ever. Well, I, I think that's where I was going at it, too, with the aspect of storyline purposes. Um, I was really, really, really kind of hoping for this storyline to, to take place. But my fantasy booking was that um, when was it that Roderick Strong joined uh, Undisputed Era? Wasn't WrestleMania, it at- Louisiana, or t- TakeOver Louisiana. Okay. Um, and then I was thinking about it wrong. But um, I, I would have I had Pat McAfee paid off Roderick Strong to turn on the Undisputed Era and start more of a civil war aspect of it just because he was the fourth member to come in and it kind of seemed like he was brought in even in that aspect of being paid off or bought off or whatever um so i I was i was kind of looking forward to that 
being the my fantasy booking was uh, Pat McAfee gets Roderick Strong to come in and and turn on the undisputed era. Yeah, and uh, one thing one thing you know, Roger, you bring up a good point. You could do that, but I think it would you could do it over a two year period, almost or maybe eighteen months. I think might be the money part, but I think you could actually do it for two years and then. Have it or have it start with Cole going into the Royal Rumble and like doing really well in it. Then he comes back to NXT and brags about it to Undisputed Air and they get sick of it. You, you could always go that route as well. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so let's talk about Keem Tannis. Uh, Keem Tannis beat Team Shotzi. Roger, what did you think about the match? Match itself was good. Uh, I, A, I kind of had Team Shotzi winning, so I thought it was a bit of a surprise. I thought the match was pretty well structured. EO jumping off the top of the trash can overhead was hilarious. Like that, that was just, it's one of those moments that was both a it kind of like, it, um, who made that? I think it was Jim Ross made the point of like how those spots often look stupid because people are just standing around. But when Io Shirai is standing on the top of the cage with a trash can on her head, it kind of explains why everyone just stops and looks up because why is there a person on the top of the cage with a trash can? <laughs> like legitimately everyone is going to look up and be like, what is going on right now? So it made sense. It was funny. I had no problem with it. Um, Look, Candice does not win a lot of big profile matches, so I'm happy her team got a win. I like that Tony Storm seems to be getting a push. Raquel Gonzalez getting the win. Who did she pin? Did she pin Shirai? Can't remember if she pinned the champion. Or yeah, she, she did. Break. She did pin uh, and, Shirai. That yeah, so that's, yeah, that's a good way to say, like, hey, I beat you in war games. The only thing I guess that's kind of weird to me is that Ray Ripley last year won two on four. But somehow mm-hmm. a four-on-four four scenario, she couldn't. So like that, you know, I didn't like that superhuman booking last year, and it's reasons like this where it kind of is like with two extra teammates. Now you can't win, okay? So, but really, other than that, you know, good for Team Candice. She's two and zero. She is the captain, and uh, she was fantastic. Uh, same thing. Uh, it was hard to get into the match just due to the fact that it didn't feel the feud. Uh, warranted a war games like we've been saying, um, but overall the match itself was fine. It had great, great moments and great spots and some, you know, original ideas. Maybe uh, having somebody else come out from behind and uh, attacks, making it almost a five on four before uh, EO was even into the ring. Um, I thought it was hilarious when they went for the pin, but because EO wasn't in the ring, uh, they couldn't start war games. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was a good angle. Um, so they did. Have, they definitely had some good uh, uh, writing of the match. Um, I just didn't think it was necessary. Yeah, I, I, the match itself was it was good, but like Doug said, it was kind of like even um, Tony Storm turning heel. It was like, oh, okay, I guess we're just doing this, you know, randomly. Mm-hmm. Like that did not feel real to me. That just felt like, hey, we don't know what else to do, so we're just going to turn you heel. It did not feel like there was a, a lead up to it or that she was justified in her actions. You know, Dakota Kai, who I thought was probably going to be a better babyface than heel, and I still feel she's probably a better babyface. You know, you saw when she turned, you got it, you understood it. And especially turning against Tegan Knox, It was like, that makes sense. Ciampa and Gargano makes sense. You know, there's the turns where they make sense. It just was like, eh, okay, that's that kind of out of nowhere, you know? Well, Tony Storms was a continuation of her story from NXT UK. 
that was because she was frustrated that she lost the women's championship, couldn't win it back. Um, but most, you know, not everyone who watches NXT watches UK, and without yeah. that context, that was never explained either. So it did seem more random. I would have had her turn on Rhea um, because of their history. That I think everyone would probably understand that better if she would have turned Rhea Ripley as opposed to Amber Moon. But well, yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like that, I would have gotten more because at least I knew that. Rhea was the first NXT UK women's champion and that Tony Storm took it from her. And then I think she lost it, not back to Rhea, but she lost it to um, the Kaylee Ray. Ray. Yeah, Kaylee Ray. Yeah, Kaylee Ray. Um, So like, you know, all right, I get that. But yeah, I mean, like it just, it felt like out of nowhere. And so, you know, I mean, belaboring the point, but don't do two, just do one and make it worth something. Make it, make it mean something, you know? All right. So, Doug, what do you think about Johnny Wrestling or Johnny Gargano becoming the first three-time North American champion? Um, it's all right. I, I, I mean, it's uh, does he need it? Does he need the belt? I don't know. He seems to be doing fine, just uh, doing what he's doing. But uh, this is another one of those things, though. Is where do you go with Johnny Gargano? Uh, I, I hope that he stays in NXT and this kind of cements that he's going to stay in NXT um, by giving him this belt and letting him go on with it. But have, I guess that's the other thing is just is always the worry with NXT is when are they going to call people up and what are they going to do with them when they do come up? Um, but building up, I mean, the whole point of NXT is to build up new stars and everything like that. And I kind of wish that they would have done that here. Uh, I was hoping for uh, Damian Priest and uh, Gargano to beat each other to a pulp and letting the other guy win and submitting himself as an actual champion and not just a guy who's holding the title to give it back to Johnny. Leon Ruff is a solid wrestler, in my opinion, but he is destined for 205 Live. Like I, there's just there's realistically no point in pretending like uh, would a guy with his size where they made a joke where he's too skinny for the belt to even stand around his waist when that's the way you're being portrayed in the WWE the land of the giants you cruiserweight championship is your peak like you will not be given a shot on at the top levels so there is no point in wasting in my opinion what was a really solid storyline between Gargano and Priest. And just let Johnny be the two-time champion. Let him be a main eventer who is establishing the North American Championship as a championship that is worthy. Let him have a good reign and let him put over the next star that you want to come up. I think Damian Priest has a shot to be successful in Raw and SmackDown. He's got the size. He's got the look. He's a decent talker. They had a good feud. You could have moved him on. I like his feud with Cross. I just I would remove the whole Leon Ruff thing. He would never beat Johnny for the title. He could have pushed him to the limit. I would have been fine with a Taka versus Triple H scenario from 20 years ago. But... Leon Ruff should not have won, in my opinion. The match itself was good. Gargano got the belt back. But the, he's the only two-time champion. I don't think he needed to be a three-time champion. I would have just let him stay as a two-time champion. And it, Yeah, and it's fine to do the heel move where you have them, you know, take on a very e- easy opponent, you know, in Leon Ruff. Um, there were some comedic spots, of course, with having Johnny uh, lose in the way that he did. And obviously he regains it back. But yeah, I mean, I to one of the things Doug had mentioned, and I definitely agree, is um, there's probably a point in time where they're going to want to call him up. And if I was Gargano, I would do everything in my power to not get called up, even if it was like a 20% raise or even a 30 or 40% raise. Like I would probably want to stay down because otherwise you're going to get Keith lead. You're going to get EC3'd. You are going to get just buried. You know, like Keith Lee, 
you know, he's going for a title though. Yeah, he's going for a title right now, but they had to send him back down to learn how to wrestle the big man style. Like, really? Like, this guy's been doing quite well in NXT. He's been able to put on <laughs> and good everywhere matches. Else he's been. Yeah, everywhere else he's been. You think about the matches he had with Adam Cole that we saw, and then the matches that he had with Adam Cole this year, Gargano, and countless other people. And you're going to say that he needs to learn how to wrestle? Really? So, like, you know, I mean, yeah, Keith Lee going for a title, which is good, and they're probably going to push him a little bit. But, you know, in EC3, like, Gargano would get EC3'd, plain and simple. So, uh you know, Gargano, I really hope that he does stay down at NXT for as long as he can. Among among a lot of other people, too. There's there's a countless number of people who I want to stay in NXT. All right. So let's talk about TLC. Aaron, your favorite wrestler of the decade, Miz, he actually unsuccessfully cashes in. So what happened? Yeah, so apparently uh, John Morrison is the one that gave the briefcase to the ref. And then Miz joined the match mid-match for no reason whatsoever, just for fun. Uh, and obviously did not uh, get the, the title. But then uh, Adam Pierce gives him the, uh, the briefcase back uh, on Raw, uh, the last Raw of the, the new year. So I guess we're going to keep it going for a little bit. Uh, now he, he has a chance to maybe take it off of uh, probably Drew McIntyre, I would guess. You know, maybe night after WrestleMania, maybe at WrestleMania. You know, who knows? Honestly, I want him to cash in. I want Morrison to be the one who ends the briefcase. He successfully cashes in, and then it's overturned. Now that they've done this angle, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might as well do the Dusty Finish at this point. It's one of the rare times that Dusty Finish makes sense. And I'm going to be honest, TLC was a very forgettable pay-per-view. It wasn't bad. Like I, I think the match quality was very good. But a lot of these, I just, I feel like the outcomes were never really in doubt. I never once believed that Kevin Owens was going to win, and I enjoyed that match. I never really believed that McIntyre was going to lose. And I enjoyed the match. Even with the cash-in, I was like, eh, maybe Miz has a chance, but I doubt it. You know, it just – I don't like TLC as a pay-per-view because you're having TLC matches just because it's the pay-per-view, not because these are feed-enders. You know, it doesn't have the same mystique as Hardy's, Edge, and Dudley's, where it's like this is the big match to kind of settle this version of a score. This is just, oh, it's December. You know, you know what that means. It's TLC time. I don't – I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy Hell in a Cell. I don't enjoy TLC. I like the Rumble. I like Money in the Bank. That's probably the only two of the main roster ones, quote unquote, that I enjoy. And I love War Games. So, you know, I could do without these pay-per-views. And let these be on Raw. They're meaningless, like Keith Lee's title shot versus McIntyre. It's meh. Uh, the only thing I have to add to to our TLC aspect and concept and talking about is, uh, hey, Roger, what was the main event of TLC? <laughs> well, fun story. I thought it was Owens versus Reigns, <laughs> and uh, it cut away to a commercial. So apparently they had a Firefly Funhouse match. Firefly Inferno, Inferno. match, excuse me. Because I thought it was going to be cinematic when they had announced this. Like, I thought we were getting kind of like the Cena Wyatt from Mania. Instead, we got Undertaker Kane from 1998. And if I'm correct, the Fiend or if you can even call him that was lit on fire to lose the match Mm -hmm. in the middle. And basically Orton committed murder, which look in WWE attempted murder is basically a one week suspension. Like we've seen Paul bear get buried in concrete and no one blinked an eye, (laughs) but like what again? And I said this before, does anyone benefit when they feud with Orton? 
Like, who comes out looking better besides maybe Orton after a feud with Orton? Jinder Mahal. Dana Brooke. Did he, though? Like, did Jinder really look better? I mean, has he ever looked better? Has he ever looked good? I mean, trash <laughs> is trash, right? Like, <laughs> if you failed the test, you don't get to say, well, I failed the test better. Like, congrats. A 45 and a 50 is still an F. Like, But you did better. Yeah. Good for you. You'll and be getting an A for effort. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Jinder got a participation WWE trophy. Congratulations. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd really ask the question, like who has honestly come out of the other side of the feud with Orton and you would say they look better for it. I thought Drew McIntyre did. Hmm. I think he looked the same personally, but I can't think of any, but um, you know, obviously with recency bias and, you know, 2020 being uh, 30 years long, it's hard to think back. On some of the other ones, you know, like with Daniel Bryan, like, but that I think was more circumstance with, with Bryan and his issues, Triple H and him, like whatever. I'm sure that there's probably some that we could come up Co- with, but Kofi Kingston certainly didn't. No. Yeah, it was kind of no, unnecessary, didn't. but to have four months. Both times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So uh, to Roger's point, Fiend commits, he, he, or the Fiend gets killed, uh, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, I... I don't know if I've, I have not been more disappointed or I have been more disappointed in a pay-per-view ending for sure. Um, I think I'd said last week off air, this is like in the top five for me of the dumbest match endings that WWE has had in my opinion. I think part- ends on a disqualification yeah, like, for This isn't even violence. the worst ending for me this year <laughs> with The Fiend. Yeah, uh, the swamp happened. Uh, <laughs> so they're, they're like... I just, I feel like they don't know what they're doing with The Fiend. And I feel like either you have a writer who's saying, this is what your character is, as opposed to a wrestler who's saying, here's what I think the character is, and here's what I want it to be. And you don't have that input, and therefore you're kind of ruining the mystique. Can you imagine if somebody said, here's what I want Undertaker to be, so here's what you're going to do, and you're literally going to tell him that. Now you're going to go to Mark Calloway and be like, here's what you are going to do. He would tell you to F off, plain and simple. And unfortunately, with kind of the corporate environment, the way that it is, He's kind of stuck. You know, Bray Wyatt is stuck in what whatever they're doing with him. And if this was on AEW, I think this would be a lot better. There, there's a lot of criticism I have of AEW. There's a lot that I could go through. But allowing their characters to breathe is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, to Aaron's point, I don't know how many of you remember this, but Undertaker early in his career had some pretty similar levels of stupid stuff happen. Like I distinctly recall him getting buried and then him ascending or something like that. Like he was going to heaven or whatever the hell that was. Um, I think it was like a buried alive match against Yokozuna, but I mean, it was the same type of stupidity. He was literally killed off and like his soul was projected up into the arena. When he wrestled Tony Gonzalez, the giant, no. <laughs> Tony Gonzalez, <laughs> the giant <laughs> chief, not the no. tribal chief, the giant chief. Uh, no, I, I think it was Yoko. I, I mean, I don't know. It, this was literally 94, so uh, 93, 94, somewhere in that range. But, the, I, you know, I think your point about them not knowing what they're doing is correct. I don't think you need to qualify with The Fiend. I, I was going to say, I almost am going to take a different approach on this one also, just due to the fact that um, I applaud that they because they don't know what they're doing with The Fiend. They built him up so much that it took how many – uh, spears and all this other stuff to to finally put him down and get the title off of him that they don't know what to do with him because now you've kind of mortalized him and you know a simple RKO wasn't going to put him down 
So I actually applaud him for Randy Orton killing The Fiend. And now, but I still think there was still plenty of stuff you could have done with The Fiend that if they're already reinventing him again, um, I, I feel bad for Bray Wyatt that he has to go through another reincarnation or reinvention or or come up with another uh, aspect or or some other thing. And, and I kind of wonder, is he going to become an angel now? <laughs> like he's been a demon uh, or a fiend. Does he become an angel now and come back and resurrect the uh the wwe like now he just becomes the heavenly character and i don't know i just what what wwe and again we've already talked about this no long-term booking uh no aspect to this and i I honestly don't know where you go from here that doesn't become ridiculous um doug let me ask you do you really think they built up fiend well i like the fiend as a character and i've enjoyed it immensely um, I, I think that there were things that you could do with him a little bit better, but at the same time, when, when you have, and I think this is one of the problems I have with WWE right now is you have mega champions in Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns where the, who's going to beat them? The, the, there's not many people on the roster right now that you're going to say, Oh, okay. They've got a legit shot. Just like you said, the Kevin Owens match was a great match, but never once did I believe Kevin Owens was going to come away with the title. Um, I've gotten to the same aspect with McIntyre. Just the fact that he beat Randy Orton so many times uh, for that title and everything like that, it was actually a shock when Randy Orton finally did win. But what did they do two weeks later? They gave it right back to McIntyre. So what if we're going to build these mega champions that are going to be the top of everything and, and they're so big and bad and everything, you need to have uh, another character that is also big and bad and almost unstoppable. And I thought they were doing a great job with The Fiend, but I think once you did the Goldberg angle, you killed the character. And, and that was the aspect of it that I just absolutely uh, uh, hated. I mean, I didn't mind that it took Seth Rollins to truly demolish the fiend in the hell in a cell match. I just wouldn't have called it a disqualification. This is what it's going to take to defeat the fiend. It's going to take setting him on fire and completely <laughs> destroying him to defeat him. Okay. So let's come up with some creative uh, ways of doing that. And it's going to make both characters look strong because you had to go through this crazy amount of stuff to beat him, but you did beat him. Uh, but also to get to that point, you need to have the fiend win. And there was just too many times that the fiend would just come out and it, all right, we're doing this again. You know, the, the swamp match you brought up, what, what was that? What, what came of that? It, it just, ever since the Goldberg aspect and everything, it just, it's gone downhill from there. Andy, your thoughts. <sighs> wow. You threw a lot out there, but, uh, yeah, I will say, I will say the whole thing with Orton committing murder, uh, just is not my cup of tea. They missed it. They missed the mark. That's all I can say. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, speaking of something that has been going, uh, really well, Johnny Omega, I'm sorry, not Johnny Omega, Kenny Omega. <laughs> I was thinking of Moxley. <laughs> so of course, Omega did beat, uh, John Moxley, uh, for the, uh, uh, AEW heavyweight championship. 
Um, so, but here's the weird part. He went to TNA. So, Doug, what are your thoughts of them uh, going to TNA just to help them out for a little bit? This was um, the the Winter is Coming event at AEW. Uh, by far, probably my second favorite event uh, of the year. Uh, Revolution being the best event, I think. Um, one, because I got to go. And two, had the match of the year. But when you're when you're talking about Sting debuting at an event, and that's the second most talked about thing, because or not even necessarily that, maybe even the third most thing, because you had Kenny Omega win against Moxley, which was high up there. But then not only that, Omega is going to TNA. We are now talking about cross promotion uh, and, and everything that that could entitle and all the. Like I, I'm going to say, I have a lot of hope of what, what this is going to do. Um, we all know Omega is a big comic book fan. We just had the Marvel movies and Thanos and how, how great of a movie set that that was. And they've even said it, you know, that Omega could become the Thanos of wrestling, where he goes and collects belts like Thanos collected the power gems. And to me, that sounds like an amazing idea. You can get some cross promotion going on with tna i mean how long has it been since we've even mentioned tna the fact that we even had uh off uh off podcast comments of did you watch impact yet oh, okay i'll wait the, the fact that we had to even watch impact uh or even read the results of impact to, to find out what happened uh it's going to be a huge boost for TNA, but in that, in the same aspect of, I remember uh, Cody talking about it. Uh, uh, I think it was C2E2 was that they planned on bringing people in using them for a little bit, and then they can go back to whatever promotion they were doing and, and keeping fresh feuds and fresh angles and keeping new people coming in and going out. And there's still going to be a core group of AEW wrestlers, but there's going to be constant, flowing of, of wrestlers to come and go uh, as they are, whether they are hot, they're cold, or, or just to get new faces in. And I think that this is exactly what they were talking about. Uh, it would would not surprise me to see Kenny Omega in Ring of Honor. It would not surprise me if this is the final thing that is gotten Kenny Omega shows up at Wrestle Kingdom and starts collecting some belts. And I, I think one of the final belts that he should get, if they can do it, would be the New Japan Wrestling and get it from Koto Ibushi. I, I mean, there's just so many angles and storylines that are out there between wrestlers that aren't uh, necessarily usually available to you because they're on another promotion that this just opens up. The fact that you have uh, Kenny Omega and TNA reuniting with the, uh, the Good Brothers. I mean, now they're going to come over and face the Young Bucks. This is... This is this is the news of the year. This is something that was excellent to end 2020 on. This was that positive moment to look into and give you hope for 2021. And I think that this is a storyline that is going to continue on to 2021 and be still the thing that we're talking about uh, all, all next year. I, there's nothing I'm going to say that Doug didn't already thoroughly cover. Um, I'm sorry. I'm super. No, no, and, and you, you, you articulated my point better than I. Um, the only thing I will say on this is that this could be a game changer. 
if, if you really can actually get cooperation between Impact and NJPW and Ring of Honor and obviously AEW, you can have situations where things like the Bullet Club are actually meaningful, where you can have them across multiple companies and you have stables and you have people, you know, um, who is it, Jay White, right? Imagine him uh, screwing Ibushi out of the title and helping uh, a foreigner like Omega Steel. I mean, there's, there's infinite possibilities. So this could be great. No, I agree. It almost, in a way, would be kind of like the territory system, you know, like NWO. You had the NWA champion. And so, you know, like a Ric Flair, Harley Race would travel. They'd go to, um, you know, uh, Mid-South. They'd go to Mid-Atlantic. They'd go all these different places. They would travel, and then they would face whoever their biggest competitor was. And then NWA would choose who was going to be the champion. But having Ric Flair go to your promotion was huge. That was gigantic. And so Kenny Omega, the AEW champion, I didn't watch Impact for the longest time uh, because one, where could he find it? Uh, but two, it was like, you know, like who, who all was there? So to have Kenny Omega show up, I was like, oh yeah, I'm watching. I watched the entire thing. You know, I watched two hours worth and it was the last like 10 minutes and it was very well done. And I also think too, if Omega does win multiple belts, let's say he wins, you know, TNAs, uh, he wins Ring of Honor, and he even also has NJ- the triple was is it triple eight uh, title or there's yes. another Mexican promotion title that he defended and uh, retained yeah, uh, there, last month too. There's a triple A title, uh, and I don't even know if it's their like their world title, but even in NJPW, he doesn't have to necessarily win IWGP. He could win the U.S. title right there, right? Mm-hmm. And then whoever beats him is now a big, like, they're a made man. So, like, with Impact, some people are like, oh, they're crapping on Impact, they're crapping on on TNA. No, if anything else, Kenny Omega goes there and wins your title, eventually has to drop it. You know, if it's one month, if it's three months down the the line, whoever he loses that title to is a bigger star because they just beat the AEW world champion to win that title. That's actually a good thing, you know? And, like, even if they do it, like, if it's a clean finish... Um, that is a really good thing. So I really hope, I hope that all these people do work together, that they have a working relationship, they can share footage and it's not a, you know, WWE is the conglomerate and like, we don't acknowledge anybody else exists. And so let's say there are other promotions. We think we're the best. Here's why, but we will work with them and we'll share things with them. And that to me actually makes me ex- excited as a fan. I'm I'm just I still look at some of the matches and you, you mentioned NWA and the fact that Thunder Rosa is already in AEW and she still was the TNA or NWA champion uh, on NWA. Uh, I think it's called it's not uh, uh, what is it called now? It's not Power anymore, but like I don't know Title Wave or something on YouTube, and she was still the NWA champion uh, until this last event. Um, it's. I, I think one of the matches of the next year could be Nick Aldis versus Kenny Omega um, for the NWA title. And, uh, you know, like I said, Nick Aldis, I think, just signed a new deal with NWA to stay there for another year. But he's he's been in AEW. He was at uh, All Out, I think, one uh, or All In one. Um, so... These are all relationships that have been building and creating and and working towards, I think, this whole time. And I think this is just the combination of everything that is just going to be, uh, I think, something amazing that we haven't seen in wrestling for a long time. 
and it's going to be everything. I mean, you have the blood and guts um, ver- or the version of war games that they're going to do. What better way than have AEW versus NWA or AEW versus Ring of Honor? I mean, these are also things that you can cross promote and, and do everything. And you saw a lot of that in New Japan. They were doing that with Ring of Honor for Wrestle Kingdoms and uh, other pay-per-views that they were doing. So uh, it's not necessarily a, a far-fetched idea to do this. Yeah, that's that's the that's a good way to uh, basically uh, end it on. That's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you follow show at Off the Mark eight six. I want to thank eighty six Productions for hosting and editing the podcast, and I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Cave, and Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes, and until next time, we'll see you in the ring.